as we'll continue, Colossians chapter number 2. Turn over there if you would. We'll look in Colossians 2. We're going to continue our study in this book, continue our scripture, uh, diving into the scriptures, and considering Christ is sacrifice that was made so that we would all be able to be a part of his family. And, uh, you know, as it said, you, you, don't, you can choose your friends, but you don't choose your family. Uh, well, that's uh, very true um, in essence of even in the church. You're coming in and you're worshiping with people from different backgrounds and walks of life and different things and a little different maybe in some of these uh, smaller communities up in the mountains, but we've seen it even, even in the smaller communities, that change of what it was years and years ago of how just it's different. Things change and things are different, but there, there are some rooted and grounded truths found here in Colossians 2 concerning our conduct in the church, and I believe Paul's desire for the Colossian church uh, that I believe we can glean, glean from this morning. I think we can see a few things that Paul desired for the Colossian church here in ver, uh, chapter number 2. We'll begin reading in verse number 1 for our uh, study this morning. The Bible says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom we are all hid who in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and this i say lest any man should beguile you with enticing words for though i be absent in the flesh i yet am i with you in the spirit joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in christ as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Let us pray, and we'll begin looking at these scriptures together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for the grace and the mercy you've given us in just the form of an opportunity to gather together as your children, God, in your house. Lord, we pray that we would worship you. I pray that our hearts would be set upon you. I pray, God, that you would cleanse us of our sin, empty us of ourselves, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just help us to focus and, 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 focus and study upon you and the things of you that we might go out in this world better and stronger Christians following and desiring to serve and share you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we find that, uh, I believe in this scripture, uh, we've seen, we, well, let me go back. We looked back at uh, chapter number one uh, in a Sunday, Sunday message, and then I, I did a, a recorded message concerning the rest of uh, chapter number one. But a lot of 
chapter number one dealt with, uh, with Paul's relationship to Christ and uh, his love for Christ and then Christ's relationship to the church and his, uh, what, what he means to the church, this, the uh, establishment of the church and the, um, the, in essence, the mission of the church. And it continues on here, and as he, as he says in verse number one, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that your hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. And so what we begin to see, I believe, from Paul is he had some desires for this Colossian church. He had some things that he's imploring them and he's telling them uh, that he would love to see for them, that he desires for them as, as one of the uh, under-shepherds in care for them. He's wanting to uh, see a few things. And first, I believe, he, he says, he's telling them he wants to see a strong relationship for them. And so uh, when he says that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. And so when it says there first that their hearts might be comforted, I believe that Paul is desiring first a comfort of Christ in that church. He wants a comfort of Christ. And, uh, and that's the only place true comfort in this world can come from. That, like that song uh, says, where could I go? That, that last verse, I, I don't know exactly. I'll just pull it. I'll open it back up here. It stuck out to me as I was reading that. It says, yet when I face the chilling hand of death. Well, let me go back, actually. Life here is grand with friends I love so dear. Comfort I get from God's own word. Yet when I face the chilling hand of death, where could I go but to the Lord? The only comfort we can truly receive of any significance in this world that's going to get us by, that's, only, that's going to get us through, comes from God himself. Uh, the comfort of, of friends and family is only temporal. When my papa died, I think about uh, going home, and, and we had so many friends and loved ones and family members come by. And I love them to death, and I, I'm so thankful for all them coming by. But there wasn't really anybody that could come by that could say, I'm sorry, I, I, I hate to hear this, I'm sorry this happened, that could feel that emptiness and that gap in my heart. There wasn't anyone that could say anything that could truly uh, just fill that void uh, but God himself. It was only by and, and through his love and his touch. If you've lost someone, I know everyone has, you've lost someone you love, uh, it, it, words are, are one thing, but the comfort of Christ, that's what gets you through. And I believe Paul is desiring this church. That's what keeps that church together. That's what in turn allows them to being knit together in love. That's what allows them to serve with one another as intended is that they're comforted in Christ. And so when he steps in and God comes on the scene in your life and you have that empty void in your life and no one else can fill that up and no one else can make, you, make that make sense to you. And not that, not that you're trying to run that away, not that you're trying to reject that comfort for the, from them, but you need a touch from heaven. That's what we need is that comfort together. Like I said, I've got a lot of things going through my mind. I've got a lot of stress. I've got a lot of decisions I've got to make. I've got to figure this thing out about my career. I've got to figure this thing out about Shelby. I've got to figure this thing out about Riley. I've got to figure this thing out at home. I've got all this stuff I'm worrying about. And just in a, in a moment, I realized, God, I'm not giving it. I've not even given it to you. That's what I need to do is just give it to him. I need his comfort to get me through. And he might offer up a, an alternative opportunity that I haven't even thought about. Right. Most likely that's what will happen. Because in my old mind, I try to make sense of what's going to happen. Right. 
I'm a fixer. I've got this wrong. This is what I'm going to do to fix it. This is not going right. This is what I'm going to do to fix it. There's no comfort in what I can do. I do something, and I'm just basically putting a Band-Aid on something. It's like lopping part of your leg off with an axe out working in the woods and trying to put a Band-Aid on that. You don't need that. You need serious medical attention for something like that. A Band-Aid doesn't do any good. I need that type of comfort in my life. That's what Paul is saying here to this Colossian church, that their hearts might be comforted. Being knit together in love, he desires the comfort of Christ for this church, and he also desires unification in love for them. I was thinking before service, and I don't even know what got this on my mind, but the devil stuck something in my mind, just kind of brought something before me, and I, it's about someone that I've been at odds with in my life. And uh, I've made things, I've, I've done what I can to make things right, and, and I've done my piece, and, and, and I'm, I'm just moving on in my life. But I've been at odds with them. And the thing is, I know that they know the Lord. And I was thinking about that. You know, one day I'm going to die, and one day they're going to die, and we're going to be in heaven together. I mean, that's just the reality of it. We've been at odds about some things, didn't get along about a few things, but I know that they're a brother in Christ. One day we'll be in heaven together. The reality is does the desire of Paul here, being knit together in love, means that Christian fellowship that supersedes what has happened in this world, that supersedes what your flesh feels, that supersedes your anger against someone. You can anger and sin not. I got. Uh, we were building our house. And I mean, I got madder than a mashed cat about something. I mean, just mad. And I called Papa Jake, and I said, Papa, I said, I got mad about this. I said this. I said this. I said this. And I said, I don't know what else to do. I'm just mad that I'm mad. <laughs> and he asked me a few questions, and he said, you've angered and you sinned not. Now, I, I shared with him in that case, I shared with him the, the full story. There may be a time or two where I didn't share with him the full story. I needed to go get it right. But what I shared with him, I angered and I sinned not. The reality is, is being knit together in love means that we can uh, communicate with our, our brethren. We can communicate with Christians. We can have disagreements. We can talk through things, cordially get through this life together we can cordially serve together we can cordially exist together we could maybe we're not doing it in the same church maybe we're not doing it in the same community but we're still cordial we're still knit together in the love of like hey we may have to take separate directions here we may have to walk separate ways here but we're still drawn together by our christian love that's what makes a church successful this place is full of people Somebody said, uh, I heard somebody say uh, recently, he said, if you find a perfect church, you better leave. You'll mess it up. Because we're people. We go and we interject and intercede, and the things we see, the, the way I would see something done is different than the way that, that, that you would see it done or the way uh, uh, other people in the community would see it done. I mean, even simple all, all the way down to just the way we proceed through the service. Mom's saying, Shelby's saying, I came up and said a word. We sang some congregationals together. The way I read my scripture, the way I'm presenting the message, that's different than what's the way somebody's doing it up down the road. Some people let that be a stumbling block in their Christian relationship. I'm not being knit together with that person because they don't do it 
this, 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 and this. I hate to tell you, but you might not like heaven. When we get there, you're talking about preachers carrying the Bible and never getting to preach. The day my heart stops beating, I, I don't believe I'll ever preach from this book again. There's no need to. I'm here on this earth called to preach on this earth, called to preach to the people of this earth, and the moment that I die, I'm done. The real preacher is going to be preaching. He's going to be talking. We're going to be listening to him all together. I believe we'll be so awestruck we might not even be able to say a word. But on this earth, we all have a viewpoint. On this earth, we all have a platform. Everybody has a platform these days. You want to know what anybody thinks, just look online. My goodness. They put it out there, everything they're thinking, everything they're believing, everything they're doing. Remember when Facebook first got popped, well, MySpace, back when MySpace was, was a thing. And uh, I had my MySpace set up, and my mama told me, she said, you better not be putting online when you're out of town. People will come and break into the house. <laughs> and I was like, hey, all right. I went yesterday to a car show, and it was uh, nearly 10 o'clock last night when I shared some pictures about it. That stuck with me. <laughs> I don't know what it has to do with what we're talking about. But the reality is, people put everything online. People put everything out there. Everyone has a platform. There's coming a day where we won't have that platform. We'll stand before a holy God. I won't have that platform to speak on. I will only be able to utter and confess the wrongs that I've done. That's all I'll be able to do. What I'm getting at there is that we have this platform on this earth. And there are people, and there are Christians, there are churches that will spend the, their existence bickering back and forth about things, arguing about things. Now, there's some stuff that's worth arguing over. Amen. There's some stuff that's worth fighting over. But I'm talking about little stuff. Yeah. Put up some drapes. I don't like beige. That's brown to me. Tan to me, whatever that is. That doesn't make a difference to me. But some people, you put, a, put some drapes up, and I mean they all split a church in half about it. That kind of stuff that draws us away from God. Amen. Being knit together in love means we say in this church, although I have a platform to speak on, although you have a platform to speak on, we're going to let that plat we're going to let Christ stand on that platform. Amen. We're going to let him lead. We're going to put this book before all. Amen. We're going to take what's in this book and we're going to say, all right, let's apply this to our lives. Amen. Not, well, I feel this way. Well, I think this way. Well, I look at it this way. That's what's wrong. Everybody has this platform. And being knit together in love means, you know what, I'm going to humble myself. And I'm going to say, although I can stand and speak and say, I could probably convince you of some things. I could probably make you think some things. And there's preachers that do that. You ever catch me out of line or you ever disagree with me, talk to me about it. Call me out on it. If I'm up here not preaching this word, sit me down. Do it. That's the. I mean, I have this platform, but it's only by the grace of God. Being knit together in love, I believe, what stuck out to me when studying this is saying, Lord, I'm going to step back on this earth. I can stand and I can speak and I can say, but Lord, I want to hear from you. That's the issue in a lot of churches today. We're in this culture of we've got to get what we think out there. We've got to say what we think. My dad says I like to have the last word. I get that honest in a few ways. We all do. <laughs> I think we all <laughs> we all like that a little bit. But the reality is, there's coming a day I won't get the last word. 
And while I'm on this earth, God, you take that platform. I'm going to step out of the way. That's how we can be knit together in love, putting him first. Paul desired a strong relationship with the church. He desired a strong relationship through the comfort of Christ, through unification and love. And he goes on and he says here, I've done lost my verse. He says, being knit together in love and to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He wants us, and he, Paul desired for us, and I believe God's telling us today through this scripture that we need to uh, have the comfort of Christ. We need to have unification and love, but we also need to have understanding right. of Christ in a church. Right. I think a lot of the issues, and I, I, I would go as far as to say this is just the truth. You go to a lot of churches, and they have, they'll give you the comfort of Christ. They'll come beside you, and they could show you, even in the Bible, the scriptures of what these things mean, the, the pathway to the cross. They could come by you, and you feel that love. You feel, and you can see that unification love. These people love each other, but they're lacking understanding of Christ. I, I heard somebody say one time, said, I would hate to know the only thing I ever done for God was be saved in my life. I'd hate to know that's all it was. I could go back a few years the day I accepted Christ as my Savior. Changed my life. But you know what? I could have just left that there and ease on through life and go to church and be a good person and say the right things and do the right things and look the right way, sound the right way, but never do anything more. I love this because it says when you're knit, I, I believe what's, what this is telling us is we're, when we're comforted, Christ, comforted in Christ, when we're knit together in love and unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. You know what that tells me? Our purpose as a church is to acknowledge who he is. That's the purpose of the church. The purpose isn't to draw people in. The purpose isn't into it to entertain people. It's not to tickle ears, which we'll get to here in just a minute. That's not what we're here for. We're not here just to, to come and feel good about ourselves. It's not a social club. Like I said, that, that young man I was talking to yesterday, it was amazing, his insight on church and how he just understands at, at, at his age, he understands the importance of going to church and why we go, our intentions to go. I want to go to grow me. I want to grow go to honor him I want to go to support you I want to go to, to, to fill the fellowship with you that's what I want to go for but so many people they don't go for the right reason that's a lack of understanding of Christ when we understand God the Father God the Son God the Holy Ghost when we understand who he is and what he means to us and what his intentions are for us it becomes this cycle of you, you, it's hard to put it down it's hard to get away from it it's something that, that as you become, make it part of your practice, make it part of your daily routine, make it part of your lifestyle to study God's word and to understand him more, to pray, to get with him in your closet, to, to try to know him better. It, it becomes addictive in a good way. And it can spread amongst other people. But the church, it's got to be wanting and desiring that understanding. 
And it says in verse 3, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ lies all the answers to everything we face in this world. I'm preaching myself this morning. I was saying, I was just, I'm dealing with something myself. I need some answers to. I need some help with. And within him, that's where it is. That's where those answers are. The more I understand, the more I know, the deeper I go with him, the more I can uh, be more sensitive to the word he, words he speaks, the things he say. People talk about a still, small voice. And I'm not discounting that at all. But it seems like I, in my own life, I mess up and I go on and go on and don't listen, don't listen, don't listen. And God talks to me like he talks to Jonah or like he talked to Jonah. Felt like I'm in the belly of a whale. I never heard a still, small voice. I was drowning it out, with, distracted by too many other things. I put myself in those predicaments and those, those, those decisions. I put myself in those places. And whether you choose to understand and know and, and gain the wisdom and knowledge of Christ on this earth, there's coming a day we're going to all understand it. We're all going to see it. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it may be too late for some. I'd hate to know that I waited and I spent too long. I'd hate to know that I had 40, 50, 60 years, 30 years, 70 years, 80 years, 90 years on this earth, and I didn't try to know. I didn't try to grow. I didn't try to study. I didn't try to, try to learn about it. I don't want to do that. I want to know. I see this post every once in a while, and I shared it recently. It was my third great-grandfather. Born in the, I think, 1840s. Fought in the Civil War. He was injured or shot in the Civil War and carried that injury with him the rest of his life. I think he died in his early 90s. And it's funny, every time it pops up, all my family shares it. And we're, we're all, I'm from, my family's from up Sandy Mush. I'm related to everybody that puts eyes on you up there. So this share, it's just shared 50, 60 times on Facebook. And I see it. And every time I see it, I think, man, that's amazing. In his late 80s, early 90s, I believe it was, he wanted to finally learn to read. Didn't know how to read. And finally, over a matter of time in the last two years of his life, he read the New Testament through six times. That was just an accomplishment for him. That was just a, a wonderful thing for him. That was, And I love to see that story and think, man, what a, what a blessing that is. But it also humbles me to think. When I was four or five years old, Somebody was reading this to me. Somebody read it to him, and I know that to be true. But somebody was reading it to me, and you know what? It wasn't much longer after somebody was teaching me to read it. I was equipped with the ability to do it. Sometimes I just rejected the understanding of Christ. Sometimes I just rejected those hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Sometimes I just didn't equip myself like I should. Went to this revival meeting one day. And all these preachers got up, and I mean, they were swinging from the chandeliers and hooping, hollering, preaching. I mean, it was just, it was a lot. This little old man got up. It took him 10 minutes to get up behind the pulpit. And he opened the Bible up, and he had this, I think he carried a family Bible with him. You could hear it lay open, and notes were flying out of it. And I'd, I'd love to have seen the pages. I think that was probably pretty worn. And he got up there, and he was talking about knowing and understanding God and his word. And he said, and I'm trying to, trying to go back and remember exactly how he said it, so I may not say it exactly right. 
He said, young men, preachers in here, young people, young Christians in here. He said, you've got computers, tablets, phones, audio Bibles, pager Bibles, actual Bibles. You've got hundreds of different means of getting and understanding and knowing the Word of God. He said, obviously, someone's brought you here today to church. He said, obviously, you've got people supporting you. He said, many, he said, I doubt there's one in here that can't read. I doubt there's one in here. If you can't read, I'm sure you can listen to it. He said, there's no reason. There's no reason you shouldn't know or understand God's word. Amen. And he shut that book, and he went and he sat down. <laughs> I was like, that's the best message in four hours. You know, if you, some people, I make excuses. I don't understand. I don't have time. I got to do this. I got to do that. I sometimes get studying. I don't, I got, I don't have time. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do. Your understanding of Christ is all what you make it. And the world we live in, we have so many means and resources to get to it. This King James Bible still, still, last time I checked, the most printed book in history. Because it's a preserved word, it's because it's inspired. That's why. Amen. But it still reigns supreme. This book. Yeah. Your understanding is what you make it. Paul was desiring a strong relationship for this church. Through the comfort of Christ, through unification and love, and through the understanding of Christ. It's all what you make it. All of it. You don't want to be comforted by him, you don't have to be. But like my little friend told me yesterday, God won't put on us more than we can bear. But when you try to handle it yourself, it'll overwhelm you. God, I don't want your comfort. I'm going to take it this time. It's wearing me out. You don't want to be unified in love? That's all right. I guarantee you, you'll be unified with some people that'll be hard to get away from. You'll probably have some thorns in the flesh you won't ever be able to get out. You will unify with the wrong people. It's dangerous. That's fine. You don't want to unify in love. You've got to answer to him about it. The understanding of Christ. You know, you can know as much as you want to know. You can learn as much as you want to learn. Learn the right thing. Study the right thing. Little old, old feller when I first started preaching, he come to me. He said, now, I know there's probably a lot of people said a lot of off-the-wall things about you or to you since you started preaching. And there was. I had one woman want me to marry her granddaughter right after I got started preaching. That scared me to death. Had one woman wondering where I was going to go to Bible college the day I announced my calling to preach. And I had one woman wondering where I was going to go pastor the day I announced my calling to preach. I said, I, I, didn't even, I, I didn't even know which box of cereal to open to have, have for breakfast today. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just taking it day by day. Amen. And he come up to me and he said, I know that people have told you a lot of things. But he said, I'm just going to tell you this. Stay in this book. Amen. He said, there's a lot of stuff you want to understand. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let God reveal those things to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know what? He took me to this scripture. 
And he said, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And that stuck with me from that very moment. Of all I've heard, of all people have told me, that's one of the most profound things anyone's ever said. The answers are hidden in him. Paul desired this strong relationship for this Colossian church. I'm almost done. I, actually, I've, I've got a whole lot more, but wouldn't be a Baptist preacher if I didn't. I ask you this morning, just you and the Lord, none of my business, I'm just asking. I'll be honest with you. I've not been letting Christ comfort me recently like I should on some things. And I, I'm going to have to change that. I've been out to the woodshed a few times the past couple days. I needed it. I needed it. But I ask you, where's your comfort come from? I, I, and I'm asking because I love you, all of you. Where's your comfort come from? I'm telling you. I've tried quite a few different things to get comfort. Nothing like Jesus. There's nothing worse than a hurting heart. And what Paul said there, that their hearts might be comforted. Amen. Their hearts were needed a little bit of help. I'd take a stump toe, an infected splinter, kick in the shin any day of the week over a hurting heart. Any day of the week. But you know what? That kind of stuff, it mends pretty easy. Those hearts, they're not the same. Lord, I'm praying now. Lord, comfort my heart. I need you to comfort my heart. Maybe you need that. Maybe you're bitter about something. I'm telling you what. People just never cease to amaze me. And it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Sometimes my job, my dealings with people, makes it a little bit harder to be knit, knitted together in love. I heard somebody say this the other day. They said, I'm going to give up trying to fix this for this person. I'm done. I've tried everything I can. I am done. And I tell you what, in the moment, I was like, I am with you, sister, 100%. I'm done, too. I went back to my office, and I sat down, and I thought, man, what if this was a spiritual matter? Mm. When this is talking about being knit together and knitted together in love, the Christ, this is referring to Christian love. But the love we have in our hearts from Christ, that goes out to the world. That goes out to people that don't know him. For every good person, for every person trying to serve God, for every person trying to show the love of Christ in the world, there's 10, 20, 50, 30, 40, 100 Christians not showing the love. It's a shame. But I, I ought not let those odds push me away. That ought to make me want to be more, to be real and be true. Like I said recently, this world, hey, it's filling itself up with a lot of, lot of messed up, ungodly things. 
But at the same time, there's some people out there that are starting to realize, hey, I, I need something different. This modern society, it's not filling me up anymore. This modern society, it's like going and getting one of those little Lunchable meals. You can eat a hundred of those, and you'll be filled up for about 20 minutes. You're, you're going to be hurting later. He knows what I mean. <laughs> But that's what the world's filling up on. Prepackaged, specifically packaged. They know what to put in there. They know what you need. They know what you like. They know what you want. Sitting down at his table. It's, it fills you up. It's not even an earthly matter. You'll find that the needs and the wants and desires you think you, you have in your life, they go away when you're at his table. We need to be knit together in, in love. I believe that means being filled up with his spirit. That's the only way I can love you more. That's the only way you can love me more is being filled up with his spirit. And we need to grow in our understanding of Christ. He has the answers to everything. You know, I'd say, I've said often that I, I don't know what I would do in a situation or a circumstance where I can't fix something. I don't know what I'd do. I don't know what I'd do. And uh, we, we got up to the, me and my brother went into the hospital room or the trauma room where my papa was before he died. And I just felt this just, I mean, I felt grief. And I had to grieve. But when he died, it was just, Mom, you can, you can attest to this. It was just like this peace just come over me. It's like, this is God's plan. You see people, Lord, keep them here. I mean, they'll get, a, they'll get one of those uh, surge protectors out, and they'll plug everything up in the wall to them to try to keep them here. I knew at that moment God, God was taking Papa. He's better off than us not even trying to intervene. God's taking him on. But the world is, we gotta, we got to do everything. We've got we to gotta keep him, we've got to keep him, got to keep him. And then they get into that grieving moment later, and it hits harder. That peace that came by. And he had passed away, and I called my dad. They were on their way up. They hadn't got up there yet. I hated to make that phone call. I said, Daddy's gone. He said, all right, buddy. He came in the room, and he was rejoicing. He's like, I knew God was going to handle this. Say what you want about my dad. He hasn't been in church a long time, but he knows the Lord. You know what? I believe that right there, that's, that's understanding Christ. That's knowing the true things. That's understanding that wisdom and knowledge of him. Man, when you can rejoice at a deathbed, that's understanding him. I'm thankful for that today. Amen. I wonder in your life, ask yourself. And that's just one victory of mine. I'm not saying I'm going to do it. I'll, I, will, I may never do that again. That was just the grace of God. But I wonder in your life, do you have that understanding? Do you have that wisdom and knowledge? Do you have that peace that passes all understanding? Amen. If you don't, there's an answer. Amen. It's in this book. Amen. Somebody's here to share and talk with you.